Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. This is episode number 136. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we have Kevin Rakestraw. How are you doing, Kevin? Doing pretty good. Good. Excellent. Yeah. This week on the show, we'll be reviewing Greg Araki's White Bird and Blizzard, which is currently playing on Video On Demand. That opens in Select Cities October 24th. And then we'll also be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, and DVD and Blu-ray releases. Was planning on a review of The Equalizer, but I did not get to see it. I feel as though we could just we could just wing it, and we'd probably be <laughs> yeah, pretty. Yeah, I mean, I pr- probably <laughs> could, probably could do that just without saying anything. Just review the movie. I don't think anyone would be able to tell. I've been playing catch up this week, so I've, I saw a ton of stuff. Let's jump into what we've been watching. Started the week off with The Boy... Well, in the U.S., it's called Jack and the Cuckoo Clock Heart. Okay. Uh, It's also known as The Boy with the Cuckoo Clock Heart. This is an animated film. Uh, It's not out yet. It's playing in select cities right now. It'll be on Blu-ray, I believe, October 7th, I want to say. So we did a a Blu-ray review of this on the site. Figured I'd give it a watch. It's a French animated film. It's CG, but it's made to look like stop motion. It, it has a a very Tim Burton feel to it. I was going to say, it kind of looks like it. Yeah, it, it definitely looks like A Nightmare Before Christmas or Corpse Bride. And the, the thing that surprised me about this movie was the subject matter. Uh, <laughs> this is not... A very kid-friendly movie. So it's about a kid who, when he's born, he's born on the coldest day ever. And he's born with a frozen heart. And the (laughs) midwife that delivers him needs to cut open his chest, rip out his frozen heart, and replace it with a cuckoo clock. Okay. And that's what keeps him alive. All right. And throughout his life, he has to periodically wind it up or else he dies. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god and then yeah right. so his so then his mom leaves him with the midwife the midwife raises him as her own and when he turns 10 he decides that he wants to leave the house like she keeps him very sheltered in order to protect him yeah because if there's there's certain things like he can't get worked up he can't fall in love that's the big thing if he falls in love his cuckoo clock heart goes haywire oh man and so she tries to protect him as much as she can but she realizes that he's getting older and he needs to get out into the world and explore she lets him out when he's 10 and he meets a girl falls in love and then he decides that he wants to go to school so he goes to the local school gets into it with a bully he gets bullied a lot I would imagine. And then when he's when he's 14, the bully provokes him enough so that his cuckoo clock heart, like the bird comes out of the of the clock and pokes the eye out of the bully. So it just like bully's, it just rips rip, the bully's eye out. So wait, the bird just like rips through his chest? Yeah. Well, no, like the clock is actually on the outside. Oh, okay. So it's it like if he takes off his shirt, you can see the clock. Okay, gotcha. And so he pokes this bully's eye out and then he needs to run away because the cops are looking for him. Meanwhile, the midwife, his midwife mother dies in prison because they, ar- <laughs> they arrest her 
and then she dies. Good lord. And then, so he goes on a quest to, first he's just trying to escape, and then he decides that he's going to look for this girl that he fell in love with, and he crosses paths with Jack the Ripper, who tries to stab him to death. (laughs) 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 Oh, sorry. Okay. It's crazy. All right, I'm back. There is... (laughs) A lot of kind of surreal imagery in this. It is a musical, so there's a lot of musical numbers that deal with a lot of crazy imagery because he eventually finds a circus and gets a job at a circus, and there's all kinds of weird people that uh, work at this circus. And it, I'm not going to give away the ending, but it's it ends on a huge downer, like huge downer. So well, at least they keep it consistent. So it sounds like it's entirely a downer. Yeah, it's a it's a tragedy. It really is. It's it's told as a tragedy, and I was just the whole time I was watching, I was just like, I can't believe this is for kids. This is nuts. At any rate, I didn't like the movie very much. I wasn't particularly enthralled with the characters. I didn't think they were that interesting. I wasn't particularly into the story either. The animation was good. I liked it, and a lot of the music was good. Some of it didn't work for me. Some of it did. The Blu-ray has the original French audio and the dubbed version. I listened to both. Both are pretty much the... the they're fine. <laughs> they're fine. Yeah, I guess it's based on a book, and later they adapted the book into an album. Okay. They turned it into a musical, and then now film. All right. And like I said, the music's pretty good for the most part. Some of the songs I liked quite a lot. And some of them were just meh. Uh-oh. Like the one, the villain guy, every time he breaks into song, it's like a spoken word rap of sorts. Oh, yeah. Th- that was that was kind of interesting because when he does it, the, the music that's set to his, when he raps, it's beatboxing. And I thought that was interesting. That, that was kind of cool. <laughs> but at any rate, although it is billed as a kid's movie... I would be cautious about showing your kids this one because it is pretty dark. No, I want to immediately show every kid this movie. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it sounds uh, quite dark. Yeah. You you might actually like it because of the some of the, the imagery, some of the visuals in this are really out there and cool. I, I am interested until you said the musical stuff. Well, that's, it's not... That's keeping me at arm's length. Yeah, it's not jam-packed. It's not like one of those non-stop music yeah. ones. So there's maybe 10 songs, okay. if that. It's not overwhelming. And like I said, the music's not bad either. So I might have to check this one out. Yeah. I don't know oh. if this is available on VOD yet or if it'll be. It'll definitely be available on the 7th. I'm, all, so. I'm always down for some animation. Plus, you got, yeah. you got a clock in there as a heart. All right. Yeah, that that was the one thing when I was watching this. I was like, I bet Kevin would like this. It's all about clocks, and he has to. At one point, he it breaks, and he has to find a a clock repairman, and uh, he finds a uh, a filmmaker, a young filmmaker, to repair it. And what, I always forget the dude's name. The oh, hugely but, oh. influential <laughs> Malays. Yes. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> the greatest director ever. Yeah, I always, for some reason, and I was like, tr- like struggling so bad when I was watching. I was like, oh, that's uh, 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 uh. <laughs> that guy, that guy. Yeah, you know. But anyway, right. but it's it's not him, but it pretty much is him. Well, it looks like on in the cast it, it says it's him. Oh, it does. I thought it, I thought his name was different in the movie. I don't know. I don't know. That's what Either I way, keep telling me. Either way, that's Jack and the Cuckoo Clock Heart. Extremely light recommend for me. Okay, I have a very high, high recommend. Oh, which is when a woman ascends the stairs from 1960, Japanese film from Naruse, and holy shit, this movie is, is it. Is it two hours of a woman going up and down stairs? Ah, uh, close, close. She goes, she ascends some stairs occasionally throughout the film. So I was kind of holding off on this one because I was going to write a 10 out of 10 for this bad boy. But then I was just having too much trouble because it's so female centric that I just thought like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not going to do that. We don't, we don't need another male perspective for this one. Mm-hmm. So scrapped it. But this but perhaps is one of the finest examples of character development I've ever seen in a film. Like mm. the character, the woman that ascends the stairs in this movie is there's just so much depth to her character in the 111 minutes that this movie takes place in. It's just, I mean, she goes through like every emotion, every feeling that a human being could, and she displays all of it perfectly. I mean, it is, it's one of those films where there's not an extraneous scene to be found. Like, everything needs to be there. Just perfect storytelling, really. Cool. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. And you're just, you're rooting for, you want her to catch a goddamn break, and she doesn't. But she, and she's like, she's like a mixture of, she's kind of stuck in between, like, a modern woman and like a traditional woman, she's kind of progressive, but she still has, you know, flashes of the traditional sense. And she's just sort of stuck in stuck in her place in her predicament, which is she works as like a hostess at this bar, which she just gets paid to like flirt with men and make them feel wonderful. Hmm. But like all the, mo- you know, she still wears a kimono and stuff. And then the modern women, you know, they're all dressed up and they just go home with the guys and sleep with them to get more money but she doesn't want to do that and so that in turn makes her like more desirable like a conquest these guys just want to have her and then she she's getting to that age where she has to either get married off and you know quit doing her job or she has to open up her own bar because she's getting a bit too old which apparently apparently in 60s Japan 30 is too old mm. So then she's, I mean, she's just going through a whole host of problems. It's just unbelievable. The, the, the woman that plays the main character is just like top five female performances of all time, I would say, from what I've seen so far. Wow. I like it. Yeah. I can't recommend this enough. I high praise. High praise. I can't believe this movie isn't bigger. That's, uh, that's one area that I, that is like sorely missing in my watching my film my filmography is is the older japanese yeah, cinema like i was just i was blown away i mean it's a male director uh male screenwriter 
And I'm just not thinking, going into the film, I'm not expecting a you know, thoroughly thoughtful character study of a woman. And man, was I blown away. Hmm. Check that out. That is When a Woman Ascends the Stairs. On Criterion, did you see this on Hulu Plus? Hulu Plus is where I saw this bad boy. There you go. Check it out. Uh, I saw a movie called Found. This came out in 2012, but just made its way to DVD this this week, I want to say. Maybe it's not even out yet. <laughs> I think it. I think it just came out this week. Uh, so th- this one caught me off guard. When I first saw the cover, and the cover that's on Letterboxd is not the same cover that is the DVD cover. Okay. Uh, when I first saw it, I was like, oh boy, here we go. Just another straight-to-DVD slasher movie, probably found footage, because of the name found. But what I got was this very low-budget indie horror movie that is so unnerving and disturbing that it stuck with me it's i've i'm probably i'm pretty far removed from it at this point and it's just it's still i still think about it days later because it is just a rough go to get through this movie i mean that i mean that in a good way because it's that's what the filmmaker intended scott Shermer. so this is about a it centers on a kid. I think he's like, he's in fifth grade and he is sort of an outcast. He gets bullied. His parents don't respect him. They're kind of dicks to him. He doesn't have any friends. He has one friend and his friend turns out to be kind of a dick too. And he escapes into comic books and horror movies. And that's kind of his, his outlet. And one day he's exploring his his big brother's room and finds a head, a severed head oh, in a goodness. bowling ball bag. Yeah. All right. So he finds this head and he realizes that his brother is a serial killer. And he at first can deal with it. Like he, he hides, he doesn't confront his brother because he's afraid that his brother is going to kill him. And he hides it for a while, but eventually it just gets too overwhelming and he has a big fight with his friend and he ends up showing the severed head to his friend and freaking him out and the brother finds out and the brother is cool with it but he's like you know don't tell anybody don't tell anybody all right we'll have to kill them and you but it's this really interesting character study of it deals with a lot of topics. I mean, bullying, dysfunctional families. It deals with the psychology of what makes someone a sociopath. And it reminded me, there, there are shades of, um, we need to talk about Kevin in there. It's not as good as that movie. But there are some really genuinely good things about this movie. There's some genuinely not good things about this movie. <laughs> Like the fact that they try to shoehorn in this uh, <clears throat> this idea of of racism, where the brother mm. is turns out to be this huge racist, oh. and to me they didn't they didn't expand on that enough to, to warrant it yeah. to be in the movie. Yeah, that's 
It sounds like they just kind of throw it in there. Yeah, they just they throw it in there. This is definitely a movie that tries to be controversial. It tries to ruffle feathers. It tries to unsettle you. And it and it does succeed. There's a particularly gruesome and extremely graphic scene probably midway through the movie where the, uh, the, the kid and his friend are watching this horror movie called Headless. And it's like an 80s, a cheap 80s slasher movie. Mm-hmm. And as they're watching it, he's imagining his brother doing these things uh, okay. that, that are happening in the movie. And so it's, it's jumping back and forth between what's happening in the, in the movie that they're watching. And then also his visions of his brother doing this. And what we see in the movie is so horrific. I mean, the killer in the movie uh, ties up a woman, cuts off her breast and then chops her head off he decapitates her then he takes a spoon and digs out her eyeballs and eats them and then he has and then he has sex with her severed head oh my goodness yeah and you see it all they don't Uh, they don't shy away and that was uh, that 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 was another thing where i was just like okay we don't need that you could have shown any horror movie and have it be violent but you don't have to go overboard with it to get the point across oh my goodness you know, I'm not one that is says that movies, horror movies shouldn't be violent. I don't get bothered by violence, but that scene, it seemed unnecessary to me to have that in there. Yeah. You could show any any kind of slasher movie where someone is getting murdered and it would be the same. Yeah, it kind of has you the same You would get the impact. point across. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other... Oddly enough, to me, that wasn't the most disturbing scene in the film. There's something that happens at the very end in the finale that was so well shot. Everything happens off screen. So you don't see what's happening, but you hear everything. And they keep the camera fixed on uh, something else that's going on. I don't want to give it away. But that scene, and then there's one final shot that they do... And it will just stick with you for days because it is so fucked up and disturbing. All right. They also deal with, so so we got racism, necrophilia. We got incest in this movie. Okay. Got bullying, dysfunctional families. I mean, it is a heavy, very heavy movie. So he lays down the gauntlet. Yeah. Yeah. Based on a novel... Too, so I don't know how much of uh, this story is in the book. I never heard of the book before, but I would, if you're a fan of horror movies and you don't easily get unsettled by extremely graphic and disturbing imagery, I would recommend this. Fan, th- this could be, I could easily see this becoming a cult classic, easily. Mm-hmm. I- so again, that's Found, directed by Scott Shermer. Um, it, you can get it now and. Yeah, it's uh, it's on yeah, it's on uh, Amazon. You rent that sucker for four bucks. Definite recommend for the horror fan. This was made for ten grand. This movie, so very very cheap. One thing I will say: the acting, with the exception of the two brothers, is atrocious. Oh. Like the the parents, horrible, how absolutely are, horrible. How are the effects though for ten grand? Oh well, they're they're good. I mean, all practical. No no CG. None of that. None of that stuff. It's all practical effects. Nice. It looks good for ten grand. I mean, it's not 
the best looking movie, but they do a lot with what they have. There's some really interesting framing choices. A lot of it's done on handheld. So, yeah. <clears throat> Surprisingly high quality for 10 grand. That's for sure. 10 grand well spent. Yeah. I mean, this isn't a movie for you. No, it's, uh, I would not be watching this ever. <laughs> but for for horror fans, this is one. Because it, it's so rare. When I was watching this, it, it kind of dawned on me like, they don't make horror movies like this anymore. I feel like this is the type of horror movie that would that would have come out in the 70s and 80s. Early 80s probably. Yeah. But not not now. You don't see movies like this. You see movies that are gory. You know, torture porn type movies. But none of those really get under my skin like this movie. Yeah. Ooh. You either, to, to, in today's world of horror movies, you either have the supernatural horror that has haunted houses and jump scares oh to get God. you. Jump scares. So or, many jump scares. Or you have your slasher movie, which to me is not very scary either. No, it's just. But this, this a, movie takes a, a lot more. Of, a lot of them are just. In, like they're to the point now where it's just almost an exercise and like how how can we make this an interesting kill and then let's meander our way to the next interesting kill yeah yeah and it's boring and that's fine i mean there's there's a place for that but movies that are genuinely designed to creep you out this is this does that because it's not it's not wall to wall. It's not a wall to wall bloodbath. It's a very slow, methodical film. A lot of this movie has no horror in it at all. It's just a coming of age drama for the most part. Yeah. Until heads are severed and eyeballs are scooped out. Yeah, which was really disgusting. Ugh. Very disgusting. Yeah, I don't I don't want to see any of that. No offense to the movie. I just I'm one of those people that can't handle that shit. Yeah, so. I, want, I want no part of it. I watched something the complete opposite, which usually is when we discuss movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it tends <laughs> to happen that way. <laughs> uh, and that's Gia, Gia Janku's The World from 2004. Finally got around to watching this one. And I don't know what the hell it is about this guy's movies, but I'm just, I'm sold, like, right off the bat. It's just, there's a rhythm to his camera work. And the way that he presents these films that I've just, I'm enthralled with. I don't know why. And I mean, this is over two hours long. There's not a lot going on. It's just, it centers around one main employee of the world theme park outside of Beijing, which is like this mini, mini world where they have all of, uh, you know, they have like the Eiffel Tower Mm-hmm. They have the Manhattan skyline and, you know, Chinese residents can come and see the world without ever leaving China because they're not really allowed to leave China. Mm-hmm. So it's just centering on all these employees and it's it endlessly shifts between just handheld digital realism where they just follow the employees around just, you know, throughout their work day and just trying to get by. And then. Ever so often when, you know, a, a scene will come to an end, it will immediately go into this very slow moving, uh, like contemplative camera movements that just sort of like a ghost walking through the scene that you just watched. Just, you know, just watching these people. 
And I don't know what it is, but just the way that it continuously shifts from those two perspectives, just I'm always in love with it. The cinematography is fantastic. Hmm. And, but the, and I always find these movies to be extremely interesting on their own just because it's China. I didn't mm-hmm. know. Honestly, I don't know that much about China. Mm-hmm. So I always find it interesting to see from their perspective of them trying to get by. So I'm going to have to check this one out. This yeah. looks interesting. And this one is, this is more of just like a straightforward film. Because normally he does the, the documentary type deal where he enlists actors to kind of play just normal people. And they actually do like talking head interviews with them, with the actors and stuff. But this one is just straightforward film, much like uh, A Touch of Sin. Cool. But now, how, how did you see this? I, this was a DVD. DVD. Okay. Yeah, I haven't found this anywhere streaming. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, check that out. I do want to see that. It's called The World. Heck yeah. I saw the Box Trolls this week. Box Trolls. Box Trolls. There's two animated films I saw this week, and I normally don't get to see that many animated films. Uh, so this is from the creators of Coraline and Paranorman. Very similar stop-motion style. Absolutely amazing, breathtaking animation. Uh, the, the amount of detail in this one is more than Paranorman and Coraline. Just oh, because nice. they have... They, it's a whole city. I yes. mean, and you got tons of characters in this. And just so many tiny, tiny little details that they went through to make this movie uh it's it's astounding the story on the other hand i was not that into mm. i liked the story of Coraline and paranorman a lot more i felt like those those stories were a lot deeper than this movie now that being said this this movie does get pretty deep it has some heavy themes like paranorman and Coraline, where it's about a boy who gets raised by these trolls that live underneath this city and it deals with relationships with your family, especially fathers and fathers not listening to their kids and and not giving them attention and stuff like that. And it really explores the family dynamic. You know, that's what this is kind of all about. And it's fine. The story's fine. The animation overshadows everything in this movie. I didn't find it to be nearly as funny as Paranorman, yeah. uh, but it still has its moments. I mean, the trolls themselves are cute and quirky, and they do a lot of silly things because they don't speak English. They have their own little troll language, and you know, it's it's fine. I are they as I, annoying as the minions? Oh god, <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> you know, you know, just by looking at this and sort of seeing the trail, it it looks like they did their version of a Jean Pierre Jeunet movie. It is, yeah. I, I could like definitely it, it kinda, see some. It just some... it reminds me of Micmacs for some reason. It feels very French. It does. It feels feels very very French. Like the the city that they're in is called Cheese Bridge, and everybody's obsessed with cheese. Well, of course. Why yeah. wouldn't you be? It's cheese. It just has a very French feel to it. And, eh, you know, the the story's fine. I just wasn't blown away with it. 
looking, I mean, it's impossible not to compare it to Paranorman and Coraline. Yeah. And maybe I'm doing that too much, but to me, those two were just way better. I just enjoyed those more. But that being said, I still recommend checking this out. If for no other reason, the incredible animation. I mean, these trolls, their whole thing is they, at nighttime, they they come up to the surface and they take garbage and, and things that people leave out and they create these contraptions and inventions with them. And it's like their little underground cities, like, uh, it's all very clockwork. You know, they got, yeah, they see, got all these... See, that's exactly what makes me think of Micmacs. Yeah, they got all these really elaborate creations down there and it's very cool uh as far as the voice the voice actors in this it got a great cast I mean, we've got nick frost uh, richard aote tracy morgan simon Pegg, tony collette jared harris l fanning uh, ben kingsley's in this so great cast as well my favorite characters were the henchmen played by nick frost um Richard Aote and, and uh, Tracy Morgan, they were the best. They were the best. Mr. Trout, Mr. Pickles, and Mr. Gristle. Yeah, Nick Frost's character is probably my favorite because he plays this overweight guy and he has cauliflower ear and he has like a broken nose. So you, you know that he's kind of a former wrestler or boxer. It's just the detail, you know, just the little things like that. Like we don't know this guy's backstory, but you see his face. And you're like, okay, he was a fighter at one point. Yeah. And that was the other thing. The facial expressions were more detailed in this than in the other ones. I think I read somewhere that they actually used 3D printers to help them when creating this one to, to mass produce some of the different mouths and things. Yeah. And that, that really shows. Uh, there's, there's some kind of darker things that happen in this movie too i mean certainly not as dark as jack and the cuckoo clock card is jack the ripper in this one no stabbing people to death <laughs> no ah. no no that sounds but like a missed opportunity it, it does deal with some some heavier themes but it's still pretty accessible i'd say this is more kid friendly than their other two movies yeah. But I would still <clears throat> recommend it. And, you know, I was thinking, like, after we left the theater, I was like, you know, I really wasn't... I was kind of bored by some of it, and I just wasn't that into the story. I didn't... And the characters were fine, but I wasn't thrilled with them. I just didn't like the... It, it felt like very typical. It felt like a typical kid's movie. You know, there's the villain, and then the villain comes to power at the end, and they have to defeat him, and he has this giant robot thing and it's this big action set piece and it all just felt very by the numbers yeah but following that formula yeah but i was thinking like it's just impossible for me to give any of these movies a bad review just because of the painstaking work that these people put into it and it's just even though the story's pretty bland the, you at least have something to look at. The characters and the world that they created is just so interesting and different that it would be impossible for me to be like, no, nope, not supporting this. Because it, at the same time, I want these guys to continue making these movies. Yeah. I want to see more of this. And I know that it takes them like eight years to make a movie, but I want more of it. So go out and see the box trolls. It's 
it's good. I'm lo- yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. I'll watch anything that they they produce. Yeah, uh, I don't need to know anything. If I just see their name attached, I'm I'm in. I'm watching it. You know, there's gonna. I mean, they're they're basically the Pixar of the stop motion world. You yes. know, the anytime you see their name attached, you know it's gonna be pretty decent. Yeah, correct. You know what's not pretty decent? I think I I think I have an idea of what's not decent. Nineteen ninety one Samurai Cop. I'm definitely gonna watch this today. You have to. Everyone has to see this movie. I love the cover too. The cover is so misleading. It's ridiculous. The the cover actually looks like Maniac Cop. Well, Maniac Cop is in it, so. Maybe that's what they're trying to go for. Because, right, oh. isn't Robert Zadar Maniac Cop? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, first question right off the bat. What's up with his face? His that's, jawline? What's going yeah, on there? It's really... That's not real, is it? Well I, well, I haven't seen this, but I can tell you in the Maniac Cop movies, they, yeah, they put prosthetic... He does have a jawline that's like that, but they put on prosthetics to... Well, greatly enhance I, it. I don't think that they had the money for prosthetics in Samurai Cop because they couldn't even afford badges. Like, none oh. of the cops have badges, okay? They're just a blue shirt and blue pants and then a belt with a nightstick and a gun on it. And you're just taking their word for it that they're cops. This well, movie, oh my God, this movie. I'm confused. I, I'm still con- kind of confused at how the maniac cop, is it just the the actor it's just or? the actor he's not oh, okay he's he is okay there's two samurais in los angeles all right one is samurai cop obviously matt mm-hmm. hannon he is he was trained by the masters in japan which is an actual line of dialogue he is very fluent in japanese yet cannot pronounce names japanese names and he also translates katana to japanese sword so that gives you an idea of how much this guy's a samurai. Plus the fact that he doesn't touch a goddamn sword until the very end of the movie. So you have him with his hair. His hair is just... His in, flowing locks. Oh my god. It's it's like a Pantene Pro-V commercial throughout. And they there's a series of like close-ups of his hair. And I don't know if like they had to go back and reshoot. Because a lot of scenes there's just... The, you can tell they did dialogue and post. So... They do these close-ups, and it looks like maybe he got his hair cut by that time that they had to do this. So he's wearing a wig, yeah. but it's a lady's wig. So it's, like, ridiculously styled. It's just, I mean, the the amount of ineptitude that's going on in this movie is just unbelievable. It's mind-blowing. Now, I had no idea going into this movie what I was getting myself into, okay? So I just started, five minutes in, I already have essentially an hour and a half worth of material to discuss in five minutes. That's how bad this movie is. And it's like that the entire length of the movie. There's so much to discuss. I could go on and on for days. So I stopped five minutes in and I'm like, what the fuck did I just get into? So I do some research and apparently this just got like rediscovered a la like Miami Connection Mm -hmm. and the room and stuff like that. This is by far and away worse than those movies. It is, oh my God, I don't, Well, it's just, there's so much to, the, okay, so 
a Japanese gang that they're trying to fight. It, it's called the Katana Gang. And they have a whopping two Japanese members in their gang. And Robert Zadar is the other samurai that's a part of this gang. And he has his hair in a ponytail for some reason. But he's like, he's the samurai. He thinks he's the shit. So they have this code of silence where they kill their own men. So he goes to the hospital to behead one of their guys that got caught by the police. So he pulls out a short blade, which pretty sure you don't decapitate people with a short blade. <laughs> and they do in like real time where he just, he slices it like a butter knife. He slices this guy's head off, which again, pretty sure that's not how a samurai decapitates someone. No. And there's another sequence where they take out a rival gang just out in broad daylight, just kill like six members of this gang. And then it's just, they're just standing around. There's dead bodies everywhere, all over the ground, and they're just hanging out because they, I guess they don't know what to do. They're just sort of, they don't know what to do. That was, I guess, all that they had planned for that day, and they don't know where to go from here. So they're just hanging out, and the one girl looks at Robert Zadar, and she's like, we did it. And he goes, yeah, good job. And then smash cut to, like, a chase sequence or Matt Hanna wearing a Speedo or a close-up of his hair or whatever it might be. It's just ridiculousness. One scene after another. The dialogue's atrocious. The editing's atrocious. The acting, isn't, it's not acting. There's no acting here. And none of it makes any sense at all. Any of it. Hmm. Okay? Nothing. Nothing makes sense. They're raiding the Katana Gang's house. And one of the female officers just sleeps with everyone for some reason. And so they're like, the four of them are outside getting ready for this raid. Matt Hanna, samurai cop, and his and his partner go in to the house, start kicking off the raid. And she's just like, she walks over to the the other police officer, and she's like, "Hey, we're alone. We don't have anything to do. You want to fuck?" Yeah. And it's like you're in the middle of a raid, okay? Your two fellow officers just went into the house, guns blazing, and you want to do it on the premises outside because you say, quote unquote. We have nothing to do, except that you're currently doing a raid. It's you need to watch this. I, I do. You have. I, do pl- I plan on watching it absolutely. And you know what I love about these movies? Because this is the backstory why I watch this. Anytime I'm feeling depressed or down and out, these movies just lift me up high like a soaring eagle. They always bring me out of my stupor. Yeah, they do I that. Love, they do that for I, me too. It's just ah. Uh, Thank this God. is the same same director of Hollywood Cop. <laughs> I have to check out Hollywood Cop. <laughs> oh my God! The sequel to Samurai Cop is also going to be out in 2015. It looks like they got pretty much everybody back. They did for the sequel. They did. Oh my goodness! I think that was a Kickstarter. Of course it was. I think it was. And how are you not going to back it? I I certainly would. Uh, I saw one that. Uh, I was I don't know why I was excited about this because I didn't really like the first one and that's the ABCs of Death two that comes out later this week on VOD. Uh, it was um, it's interesting this one because I didn't I didn't like the first one but it's it's hard it's a hard movie to review because it's twenty six short films so there were some of them in the first one that I really liked. Some of them that I thought were really fucked up. And then 
maybe a dozen or so that I didn't really like at all, and maybe three that I absolutely hated. With the ABCs of Death 2, all of the shorts are dialed back. There's only a few of them, maybe two or three, that I was genuinely like, oh my god, oh no, oh no. You know, like, really, really messed up. But the the bulk of them, they're better quality. So while there weren't as many that I absolutely hated, there weren't as many that really stuck out to me either. Mm. So I guess it's better. I don't know. It's like parts of it were better. Parts of it were not, not would, so I, much better. I was going to say, it sounds like percentage-wise it was better. Yeah, I would, I would say so. Some of them are, are quite good. The... Some of them are just so messed up. The The final one, Z, the letter Z, is really messed up. <laughs> like, I was like, oh my god. I don't think it was worse than, I think it was L is for libido in the first uh, ABCs of Death. That one was really messed up. But What what is Z for in this one? Uh, is it for I don't know Zidar? If I, I don't, no, I don't know uh. if I want to give it away. But... It's pretty messed up. They they get some good directors in here. We got Vincenzo Natale, Larry Fassett, and E.L. Katz. The E.L. Katz one was pretty good. Uh, the Sasuke, Jen and Silva Sasuke, the Twisted Twins. They're, they direct one, and then they're also in one, in another one. Um, some uh, Bill Plimpton has, he does one. I didn't like his at all, but I'm not a big fan of Bill Plimpton's wow. stuff. I don't know if I've ever heard someone say that. Oh, I'm not. Sorry. Does that offend you? Does no, it doesn't. You, Kevin? I'm not a big fan of Bill fucking Plimpton. <laughs> I just, I just thought that that was one of those, one of those people that everyone's a fan of. No, I'm just, not, I'm not a big fan of his. I don't, I don't know if I am a fan of his. I some of, I mean, some of his stuff I think is funny or whatever, but overall, it's not a, not a huge fan. And I particularly didn't like this one. The, the short that's in here, it was, he had H's for head games, I believe. Uh, Rodney Asher did one. I think that's that, the guy that, that did. That, that sounds familiar. I think it's the guy that did Room 237. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. And his was really good. His might have been one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, the way that his worked, it was really interesting. It was like, uh, it was a couple, and the guy was away in. I think he was in Paris. Yeah, he was in Paris. And his wife was at home in London. And they were talking on the phone. And someone breaks into their house while they're on the phone. And it does this split screen thing. And it was really cool how he did it. And it had a really cool twist at the end also. So I was quite surprised with that one. Uh, But I would say overall, it's worth checking out. Because there are a handful that are quite good i wish there was a way maybe after this is out for a little while to just get individual shorts you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so you wouldn't have to see the whole movie you could just kind of pick the ones you want to check out a la carte that would be cool because some of these are absolutely worth seeing and i know that you're not going to see this movie just because you don't want to you don't want to see all (laughs) sit through all of them but you there's a few of them that I think that you really should see. Same with the first ABCs of Death. I think there's two or three in there that you would you would see them and you'd be like, oh, okay, 
this this really works. There's a couple. There was like one, I think, in the first ABCs of Death that it was D is for dogfight. That was my favorite one in, in the first ABCs of Death. And the way that they did that, it was all slow motion and it was shot like a music video. There was no dialogue and it was just set to a song. And I think that that works in this context because you have three or four minutes to make a short. Yeah. So it lends itself perfectly to the music video format. And there's a couple in this one that that do it. One that's entirely done in slow motion, and that looks really good. Overall, they all look better. I'll say that, too. They all, visually, they really, none of them look really cheap and crappy. There was a couple that I absolutely could not stand in this one. Well, luckily, they're short, at least. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, you just, if there's one that just particularly bothers you or you think is stupid, it's going to be over in a couple minutes. So you move on. But overall, I would say check it out. Uh, you feel so conflicted. I do. I really do. Because like I said, there, were, there weren't as many that blew me away or that were memorable. But at the same time, there weren't nearly as many that I absolutely hated. Do you think after like... Like maybe four or five of these that they'll do like a, a greatest hits compilation. Uh, maybe, maybe I I would hope so, because some of them, it's just like the VHS movies, right? Like VHS two, the one uh, what was the, what was the Mo Brothers one that they did? That I can't remember the name of the. Whatever that one was, <laughs> it was like that's the standout. Yeah, can we just get that? Exactly. And bypass everything else. And can we just turn that into a feature length, please? Exactly. I would enjoy that. I'll have a review up for this later this week when it when it hits VOD, and I'll probably have to watch it again because it's twenty six short films and I forget a lot of them. I was gonna say I'll probably have to watch it again. I was gonna say, yeah. It feels like you would you would forget a large portion of this film. Yeah, I mean, I already did. I just saw it yesterday, and I already forgot a number of them. But I will say, check it out. It's better than the first one overall. Okay. Okay. Oh, I have one last one here. Comedy called Richard's Wedding. This is from 2012. Owner Tuchel. Still haven't figured out his name. But, you know, the guy that directed Summer of Blood. Mm -hmm. He was in Red Flag. Septian. And this is this is quite good. Just fantastic, really. I I just love his brand of humor, which is at the same time hilarious and annoying all it, at the same kinda, time because he never shuts up. It, it kind of reminds me of a hipster version of Larry David. A little bit, yes. Yes. Because it's just like this is broken up into three distinct sections. The first one is... Him and an old friend, played by Jennifer Prediger, who plays Alex, who they had a, she was also in Red Flag with him, and they had great back and forth in that movie, but it's even better in this one. So, like, the first portion of the movie is just them walking through the streets of New York, just shooting the shit with each other and catching up and everything, and then catching the train and meeting up with the rest of their friends for this wedding. So that's the first section of it, and they just they talk about the dumbest shit ever, 
or they talk about very you know heavy topics but they do it rather flippantly and he says a whole host of politically incorrect things and then the second portion which is the weakest of the three is you know they meet up the, the their friend's house who has become a millionaire because he made a what they call a a phone application they won't call it an app for some reason <laughs> but he made a, a phone application which is just a buzzer like you just set like the voltage and then you shock people with it hmm. so he made a shit ton of money and he's a pretentious pompous asshole and it gets into this like heavy discussion about like he thinks humanity is dead and he tries to tell these stories about that he can prove that humanity's dead and just everything kind of comes to a halt during this section but then the the couple that's getting married which is played by Lawrence Michael Levine who you might remember from Detonator Mm-hmm. and um, Josephine Decker. They they show up, and then they go to... They're getting married, and they're just, like, at the last minute, kind of throwing this wet, this small wedding together in Central Park, and then that's, like, the third aspect of this movie, where everything just goes to shit and <laughs> falls apart, and they just bicker and fight, and it's all... It's all rather funny. For me, if you're into his style of comedy, you'll love it. If you Which can't, I am. Yeah. So. If you can't stand it, you know, if you've seen it before and you can't stand it, stay away. Because it's just nothing but that for 86 hmm. minutes. Just what? nonstop. He won't shut the fuck up. What's the name of it again? Richard's Wedding. Richard's Wedding. So check that out on Fandor? Fandor, yes. Fandor. Yeah, check that out on Fandor if you have that. I saw just two two last ones that I'll mention briefly. First was Plastic. This came out on Video On Demand this week. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, I'll have a review up. It's it's done. I haven't published it yet, though. Uh, I did not like this movie at all. It was terribly generic. Supposedly, it's based on a true story about this gang of college kids that have this scam where they steal credit card numbers and rip rip off rich people for lots of money and they rip off the wrong person and then they get into some trouble Uh and they they end up owing this gangster two million dollars in two weeks so they hatch this incredibly elaborate and unnecessarily elaborate plan to get this money and they head over to miami they're from london and they head over to miami Uh and the plan seems to be going okay, but then it falls apart. So then they have to hatch an even more elaborate and ridiculous plan to get yeah. the money. And it's incredibly generic, filled with unnecessary stuff like, well, let's go to a strip club and let's, let's <laughs> show scenes of hot chicks and let's have a sex scene in here. And it's like, Oh, God, give me a fucking break. <laughs> I couldn't stand it. Uh, it was just so unbelievable. It's like, why would we think that this would work in real life? I mean, they're they're like dressing up as f- foreign princes and trying to trick people into thinking that the one dude is a prince and they have to charter a jet and hire people, hire these prostitutes to dress up as as uh, waitresses on this jet and they have to hire a fleet of limousines and it's like oh my god what is going on here 
Um, this sounds ridiculous. It's terrible. I mean, it's set up. It plays out like a pretty typical heist movie. I mean, you have the core group of, of friends that are all dudes, and then the new girl comes in because they meet this girl at a bar, and as it just so happens, she works at a credit card processing place. So, oh. <laughs> and because she works at a credit card processing place, she has every credit card number of every person ever. Well, that that should make everything easy. Like, why doesn't that just become like what would? It sounds like it would be really easy to just do that. You have all yeah. those credit card numbers. Just get your money that way. Instead well, of getting jets yeah. and no, they got fleets like, of limousines. They got and, surveillance. They're, they're putting bugs on people. I mean, it's, oh, is it's there, just a whole is thing. Is there an explosives expert? No. Uh, no there's not, they're, all, they're all just kind of like techie type people. But mm, the, so the girl gets introduced, and then the main guy in the group falls in love with the girl, oh, and then they have man. a falling out because she realizes that the reason they brought her in in the first place was just because they needed the money and they wanted to use her to get the money. And he hacks her email so he knows all about her. And then you have the other guy in the group that double crosses them and tries to make off with the money, and it, it's just ugh. It's I did you know that you saw two movies by this guy? Julian he, Gibney. Cuz he did uh he did a section of ABC's Death too. Yeah, he did. That's right. I didn't I didn't know that at all. Well, I'm that's sure. wh- that's why I'm here. I'm here to enlighten. That's what I do. He also did A Lonely job. Place to Die, which I did. I did like A Lonely Place to Die quite a bit actually. Hmm. I don't know what section he did on ABC's Death too. I'm not sure. I'll have to look up to see which one he did. Does it say on IMDb by any chance? No, it doesn't. Okay. Anyway, I would avoid plastic. I also saw The Signal. Been meaning to check this one out for a while. This this came out on a DVD and, and Blu-ray. So I figured I'd give it a watch. This movie... What's going on with this one? At the beginning, it hooked me. Because it's about a group of hackers from MIT... And they, one of them is moving across the country. So they're taking her across the country, but they're also trying to track down this hacker who hacked into a bunch of the MIT servers and caused some problems. And so they're trying to track him down also. Yeah. What they discover is something much, much crazier. And that's really all I can give away. It's one of those movies where can't say much you can't say you got to go into it cold you have to go into it cold uh i'll say the first the first act intrigued me the second act i was loving because i still had no idea what was going on and i thought it was pretty awesome and then the third act it kind of falls apart is it wait you know the is it because they try and pull everything together Sort, sort of, of sort of. It gets it gets a little crazy at the end. It gets a little ridiculous. It's, it, there's some action scenes at the end, which look great. I mean, they must have used those Phantom cameras because they're it's all super slow mo. The problem is they just use too much super mm-hmm. slow mo, and it's just like, okay, hurry up, let's go. You know, I, I get it, I get it. We're going with the super slow motion stylized. It looks. It turns into a Michael Bay film at the end. Like everything is super orange, and yeah, I feel like there's just too many styles going on in this movie. And I and I love the beginning. 
in the middle, but the end really fell apart for me. Now, I still recommend this movie because there was enough entertainment value here to to keep me interested the whole time. And they don't really they don't really show their hand until the very very end. Hmm. Now, but I think that this is the type of movie that the when the end does happen, people will either love it or hate it. And I wasn't a big fan of how it turned out. Hmm. Now, when I'm looking at this, I'm checking this movie out. There's only one question I have. Robert Longstreet, how is he? Oh, Longstreet's great in it. He plays this kind of kooky, mentally ill trucker. That's all. That's, I'm sold. I'm sold. Yeah. So he's not, he's not in it very much, though. He's only in it for two scenes. Sold. But he's great in it. I've always been uh, interested in this guy's other film, too, Love. I always see that popping up everywhere. Again, I will say, check it out. It's visuals alone are worth seeing. is is worth checking this out. It's it's pretty cool. I it seems like I've I've heard very mixed things about this movie. Like some people are loving it, some people are hating it. Yeah, and that's just kind of how it is. And I think a lot of that is predicated by the final act when they start giving you the answers. Because I think that it's going to be... See, that's always the tricky part. Yeah, I think it's going to be what it turns out to be. I think some people will have a really hard time swallowing it. Just because I feel like thematically, it's it's just all over the place. It starts very grounded. And as the film progresses, it slowly gets more science fiction until the end where you're just like, okay, now we're just going off into crazy fantasy world. Hmm. But I still say check it out. The Signal, it's available pretty much everywhere at this point. Video on demand, Blu-ray, DVD, all that. Yeah, I think that's on Netflix. Yeah. Seen it numerous times. Let's talk about Greg Araki's latest White Bird in a Blizzard. Let's. I have a synopsis here. In 1988, a teenage girl's life is thrown into chaos when her mother disappears. This stars Shane Lee and Woodley. Ava Green, Thomas Jane, and Christopher Maloney. Angela Bassett also plays a small role, and she's fantastic in it. Love Angela Bassett. Yeah, I haven't seen her for a while. She was in American Horror Story the last season, and she was great in that, too. I I think she's coming back for the new season. I hope so, at least. All right, Kevin. Now, I know you're a huge Iraqi fan. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen an Iraqi movie. Just quick glance through here. I don't think I have. Nope, this was my first. Oh, okay. This, so this was your, my first one. So it's your your first foray into the world of Iraqi. What did you yeah. think of White Bird in a Blizzard? Uh, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, it's, it's just kind of like I've, you know, it's some of the performances are pretty good except for one person. Uh, there's nothing going on for me cinematography-wise. Like the visuals, there's just nothing there. Um, there was a number of scenes to me that just felt completely unnecessary. They added nothing. And right off the bat, you know everything. Like, you know the whole story, and it well, just takes forever to get there. And I just, I don't, I didn't find it compelling. I didn't find it interesting. It didn't really have anything to say. It was just kind of a straightforward, slight movie that had some decent acting in it. I get you know I mean it's like it's an alright time. It's interesting. I I thought when I was watching this I was like oh boy Kevin's gonna hate this one, 
Because I thought, after I saw it, I was like, eh, it's all right. Yeah, I mean, it's just the, I mean, right off the bat, the, the voiceover stuff was just too much for me. Because <laughs> early on in the movie, it just felt like Shailene Woodley is reading the book to me. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, they do these flashback sequences where it it shows you nothing, really. Like, it doesn't add anything well, to the dialogue that you're hearing. And you're just, like I said, it's Woodley reading the book to you. Which just tells me that you don't know how to adapt this book. Well, they do They do that with a lot of ad- adaptations. I know, from, and I hate novels. it. Which just tells me, d- d- don't. Don't do it. If you well, can't think, think you- of a way that you have to that you have to fall back on people just reading large stretches of the material, don't do it in the first place. Just don't. Well, I'm sure that the book is told in from first person from a first person point of view. So they probably wanted to get that in there where I it yeah. kind of le- it kind of lets you into the the head of Shailene Woodley's character and, and it I, helps you understand what she's going through and what she's thinking and how she's processing these things happening in her life. I get that, but to me, it makes sense in a book. In, in a this movie, v- it doesn't. It just tells me that you don't know how to tell a story visually. Well, I, I wasn't bothered by the the voiceover. Sometimes it bothers me in movies. Sometimes it doesn't. In this movie, it, it didn't really bother me because I felt like it was just telling a tale. Like it yeah. was just it was telling a story. So it it, it didn't bother me in in that regard um as far as just the rest of the story in general it was fine like i didn't i didn't feel like i gained anything from it it was a very it just felt like a very intimate coming of age drama that didn't add a whole lot to you know any typical coming of age drama you uh this is gonna sound a lot worse what this movie is but this reminded me of something that my mom would watch on lifetime Mm, i think that may be doing it a little bit of a disservice (laughs) like it's slightly better than that i think it was significantly better than that i liked i liked the flashback scenes and how those were so full of color and stuff it almost had a 50s aesthetic to it and that's something that gregoraki does a lot where he uses lots of colors bright colors and things and i think that looking at his filmography this is his most accessible movie uh he he definitely dials it back in this movie when it comes to the sex and stuff like that most of his movies are very uh very uh graphic when it comes to sex gotcha but at the same time I'm not the biggest fan of Greg Araki. I think that Mysterious Skin is still my favorite of his. I loved that movie. I think that that movie is absolutely incredible. And I feel like it says a lot more than than this movie does. But at the same time, Mysterious Skin is also a, a more intimate movie that just focuses on the development of uh, some young characters. I just feel like they did more in mysterious skin yeah there's not there's not a lot going on in this one i will say that at first i loved christopher maloney's character he just seemed like such a oh my god this the whole half of this movie is just christopher maloney and his mustache just moping around 
just sad face <laughs> everywhere. Just sad sack Christopher Maloney. Sad sack Christopher Maloney. <laughs> it, it was just, it was a bit much. It's like, oh my goodness. Came, but like, I get it. I get it. He's he's in a crestfallen stupor. Let's. Do we have anything else to say? Like, can we can we move on from here? He just seemed like after later on, because this movie takes place in eighty eight, but then it jumps forward to ninety one, mm-hmm. and later on, after he gets better, uh, I just liked his character. I thought that he was he seemed like a good dad, but then you know. Can't give anything away, but... Yeah, well, there's not much to give away. I mean, you know right off the bat. As soon as the movie starts, I'm like, oh, okay. And that's what I mean, is, like, Shailene Woodley's character is so just... I mean, is she blind? Like, when she starts to piece things together at the end, you're like, holy shit, I knew that, like, as soon as it started. Come on. Come on, you're not that stupid. Right, well, but it's different when you're dealing with, you know, your own family members. Like, you look at things in a different way. You would never think that any of your family members have the potential to do something terrible. Well, and the other thing I got to say is the very end is just, that's handled terribly. That's just god awful. Because it makes no sense. It makes no sense. I was like, okay, all right, there we go. The logistics of it, too. The logistics of what, it's impossible. There's no, unless she was outside talking to her friends and her boyfriend, Phil, or ex-boyfriend or whatever the hell their relationship was, unless she was out there talking to them for eight hours, no, it couldn't have happened. It's just impossible. And then again, it's, like I said, with the, the voiceover throughout the film and then the handling of the end just made it look like, oh, okay, we got to wrap this up. Let's just do a quick voiceover. We'll explain everything. And then roll credits. And it's just, oh. Yeah, I feel like uh, at, see, the, now end, see, at now the end I'm, there. Now I'm getting into it here. I'm starting to think about this a little bit more. At the end there, I think they rolled over a lot of stuff that maybe they should have. <laughs> they just like sped through everything. They're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. We have to end this. Okay, we'll do voiceover on a plane. Boom. Wipe our hands clean. Roll credits. We're done. Good job, everybody. It's just, it's terribly handled. Very sloppy at the end there. I really want you to see some of his other movies and see how you, how this would stack up. Because I, like I said before, love Mysterious Skin, but I did not like the Doom Generation at all. I did not like Smiley Face. I did not like Kaboom. And those were the only ones I saw of his. Yeah. But I, I, I don't like getting into this territory, but Eva Green is terrible. I was like... When I when we were watching Terrible. this, when we were watching this. I asked my girlfriend. I was like, "Is that how Ava Green normally talks? Is, is that just her normal speaking voice?" Because she, to me, she acted like she was an actress in the forties. She is ridiculously over the top in this movie. It, I mean, oh, and then every scene that they show with her is just—it's bad, and especially the end when she has that cackling. Oh, monot- God. that I mean, that was just. Awful. Yeah, I was like, uh, I really, yeah. this is where we're going here. I, yeah, I'm, I like Ava Green, but I was not on board with her character in this at all. Yeah, you know, she is. It was just too. It was just too over the top. <laughs> way, way over the top. I mean, 
my goodness. Everything in this movie was pretty grounded other than the dreams, the dream sequences. I was kind of hoping, because a lot of his other movies get into science fiction, fantasy, where they, they he just throws in some of this, just something crazy that just breaks reality. And I was kind of hoping that that would happen in this movie. Unfortunately, it didn't. The closest thing, like I said, was the dream sequences, which to me, I don't even understand what they added to, hey, to the just, movie. Just the end. Just the end. Because how they're like, oh, dreams don't mean anything. And then, you know, you give you give that little bit of clue there, which is like a clue that's just like rubbed in your face. Yeah, and then she still... has to dream again. You're like, oh, okay, I see why. Yeah, but I still didn't see... But I, one of my the other point of it. No, there is no point of it. Just like there is no point to when she's working, working the lock. It does the flashback to when she was a little kid working. Like, do I need that? Like, yeah, the... because we just saw it like <laughs> it's the... half an hour. Prior. It was it was only shown once throughout the movie. I don't like. I don't need a flashback to that. I didn't forget. Yeah. Well, at any rate, uh, I, I don't know where I, I stand with this movie. I'm going to... See, I was... When we started, I was like smack dab in the middle. But it's free-falling now. Now that we're discussing it. Oh, boy. It. It's going to crash and burn. <laughs> I still would say it's somewhere in the middle for me. I thought that Shailene Woodley did a really good job in this. And like I said, I liked Christopher Maloney. I liked... Uh, uh, what's his name? The Phil character. Uh, Shiloh Fernandez. Yeah, I like him. I like him. Pretty much everything I've seen him in, I liked. Even though he was in that Syrup movie, I think. Mm. Was that him? Yeah, that was him. And I hated that movie, but I like him. So. But Scat. Yeah, he was Scat. Yeah. Scat. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, Christopher Maloney was so excited about that crockpot. Poor guy. He just I just felt bad for him. I just felt bad all well, around. Well, I, I mean, I kinda understand why Eva Green wasn't too into their marriage. I mean, it's just moping around all the goddamn time. Mm, was he well, yeah. Getting excited about crockpots and shit. Come on. He was trying, you know? He was just trying. I don't know if he was. He spent most of his time in the basement jerking off to hustlers. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> getting excited about crockpots. Yeah, yeah, he did. I, <laughs> I think it's difficult. I, I would really like to get into more detail about where this film goes and the characters and stuff. But I think that some of it is supposed to be a surprise at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's really difficult to get deep into what makes these characters tick, and I think that that is unfortunate in us talking about this movie because I think that that that's what really made me actually enjoy this movie is because I liked the exploration of these characters and where it goes and trying to figure out, you know, why she left and, and all this stuff. I liked all that. I didn't, un but, uh, it's just reminded of another sequence. The her at college having an argument about smoking. Yeah, that seems <laughs> like <laughs> Wait, well, I think that that was wait, supposed to that that Walton? whole sequence was supposed to just be about her not being happy and not being comfortable in her relationship with that other dude, and it obviously, it wasn't just about the smoking. It was 
I know, but I just about it, her mind state. To me, it didn't didn't add much to have it in there. Mm. I don't know. I I kind of wish I didn't watch this movie. I want my time back. <laughs> think, think about this a little bit more. I'll say if you were a fan of Gregoraki's previous films, check it out. It's maybe not as avant-garde as some of his other stuff, but still worth a look. I'm going to give White Bird and a Blizzard a 5.5 out of 10. Ooh, that's not that good for you. You're usually a little more uh, forgiving. I am forgiving, but with this one, mm. it, it's it's worth seeing if if you like these types of movies, these heavy dramas, but there's just not not enough there, really. I mean, I think at the end of the day, I'll probably forget all about it. Mm. You know? Yeah, yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. A couple weeks, I'll bring it up, and you're going to say, what? Yeah. And again, no. like, if I sound cryptic in my thoughts about this movie, it's that I don't really want to get too deep into what happens. Well... Yeah. Well, the movie doesn't either, so. No, it doesn't, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just, my goodness, just read the synopsis. I mean, you know what it is. But I think there's more to it than that. Mm. There's the why. Is it? Is there? I think you know why. I think you know why. Just wondering what, why, why do they even, why do they even stay together? What's the point? I never understood that. With people and their marriages, maybe I well, just there's a lot. Me, there was a from... lot going on with the two of them. She was obviously crazy, and he had his own issues and secrets and things. And well, she was just miserable because all she let him do was cook. All she did was cook. She's just a homemaker. That would drive me crazy too. Sure, it would drive me crazy too. But I don't know if he was. I don't know if she had to oh, he... conform to that role. I he did his character didn't lead me to believe that he was like trying to force her to just be a homemaker. Well, they do just like throw some stuff there at the end that makes you think that, but I don't know if it quite works. He seemed like he was such a timid character, though. It seems like if she was just like, you know what, this isn't working for me. I need to go out and get a job, or we need to start alternating meals. And stuff. You need to start helping out a little yeah, more around I mean, the house. Let, like it seems like he would be like, okay, sure. Let just yeah. let Maloney start using that crock pot. Yeah, he was so excited about it. I was all about that crock pot. He can make. It just, he yeah, could I feel like roast all sorts of things. I feel like if there was more communication in their relationship, that mm. th- things could have worked out. Yeah, they had a lot of problems. Because yeah. he clearly, I mean, when she left, he was clearly. A distraught for oh it was infinite sad face yeah forever so he clearly loved her but but then always, again but i don't know maybe again, it was you... maybe it was just the idea of her like that that see that's what i liked about the movie is that you can kind of get into the minds of these characters and try to figure out what makes them tick i like that okay Okay. So now I'm thinking I'm going to bump it up to oh, six. Sh- oh, shit. You just no, I'm, I'm going to stick with a five and a half. Uh, I am going with a four. Four? Oof. Four. Yikes. Yes. Right. I mean, really, That's for me, to be, that, but... hey, pretty sure I'm right here. So watch mm, your mouth. I don't think so. 
This does have a 71% on Rotten Tomatoes. However. Well, I mean, I don't want to say it, but they're all fucking wrong. Well, if you let me finish what I was going to say. I don't want you to finish. However, there's only been seven reviews counted, so. Okay, so I got to... I gotta jump on my review is what you're saying. To bring that yeah. up. Yeah, basically. Alright, there you have it. White Bird and Blizzard is on video on demand right now. It'll be in Select Cities October twenty-fourth. Let's move on and talk about some predictions. Last week we said the box trolls. You predicted eighty-two. I predicted eighty-five, actual seventy-one. Yeah. And the equalizer. The equalizer. <laughs> You predicted 60, I said 63, actual 59. Nice. Next week, we got Gone Girl. Oh my goodness. I This may be one of my most anticipated of the year. Oh my god. So excited, and the reviews started coming out for this. It's getting great reviews. Oh my god. I am stoked to see this movie. I can't wait. Absolutely cannot wait for this. I'm going to say 94. Ooh. Ooh, going big. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I, I think Oscars. Oscars might I be. I think you might be right. I think Roseman Pike has just pushed herself to the front. I haven't even seen the damn thing yet. But judging from the trailer, damn. Yeah. I'm going to say, I think, people, I think some people are going to be a little, little disappointed. Because they normally are when it comes to adaptations. You gotta, yeah, you gotta people factor just, in the contrarians, too. They're just, they're just not happy with their de- adaptions for some reason. I'm gonna say 88. Uh, also, next week we have Annabelle, which is the oh. Conjuring spinoff. Jesus Christ. This looks really bad. Uh, I'll say 43. I'm gonna say 22. This looks god-awful. Yeah, I have no desire to see that at all. I like The Conjuring, but man, nope. We also have, in limited release, The Good Lie. I don't know if it's getting a wide release or not, but Nicolas Cage's Left Behind is coming out <laughs> next week. <laughs> man, man, I want to see this so bad just because this it's is... Left Behind and it's starring Nicolas Cage. And online, I was <clears throat> just browsing around online the other day and I saw an ad for this and it was the guy from duck dynasty telling people to go see this movie. <laughs> I was like, yes, perfect. <laughs> the guy from duck dynasty is saying to go see this movie. Now I have to check this out. It's also got Leah Thompson in it. Okay. So you got Leah Thompson and Nicholas cage doing rapture. I am into it. rapture Nicholas cage and the rapture. I am fully sold on left behind that is amazing we also have copenhagen that was a movie i saw at slam dance this year and liked it quite a bit harmontown the dan Harmon documentary mild interest in that drive hard that's been on video on demand for a while so you could probably see that if you would like a good marriage which is a stephen king adaptation oh i see so it's well, not good marriage. No, probably involves murder. <laughs> I didn't hear very good things about it, but I believe the screenplay was actually done by Stephen King. Oh, okay. Don't he's, quote me he's, on that. he's usually at least entertaining. If you know, 
Yeah, I mean, the thing about Stephen King movies and adaptations is a lot of times they're not very well received, but they usually bring cool ideas to the table. I might check it out. I don't. I don't even know what it's about. I'll probably have to see a trailer or something and determine it. Uh, also, Jason Reitman's Men, Women, and Children. Uh, no, thank you. Not sure if that's getting a wide release or not. Probably not. I want to say, but yeah, it's uh, that's not being very well received yeah. at all. That premiered at TIFF, I believe, and people are not saying good things. It looks like it looks like Crash. But it also looks like. Um... What, what, what was it was it just a movie last year with right, like yeah, disconnect yeah. Well, or something with disconnect Bateman? yeah 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 it looks like that <laughs> just that i feel like it's a, just too late to be exploring this topic of yeah like know, the digital age love in the digital age it's just people people seem to be doing okay with it so let's i don't think we really need to keep dissecting that i agree what do you want to bet the moral of the story is just connect on a personal level. Just meet the person in face to face. Drop the it's, phone. It's all Turn about, off the phone. It's all about communication. You just got to communicate better. <laughs> just communicate better. It's just like White Bird and Blizzard. You know? It's all about communication. Just have a conversation. Put the hustler down. Stop talking about the crock pot for 10 minutes and just talk to each other like real people. Okay. <laughs> yep it's all you that's, gotta do that's the key that's the key that's probably what it, what uh stephen king's a good marriage is all about too it's all about every single movie's about communication <laughs> uh i agree next week on video on demand we have the paranormal diaries clop hill what paranormal did diaries you, clop hill did you say clop hill clop hill yep okay all right that's a something i'm about 15 minutes into this movie and it is destroying your psyche, isn't it? It's uh, pretty much a typical found footage horror film. Oh, you don't so, hear that often. Yeah. Mm. UK made, though, so at least there's that. This is not, <laughs> so that, the accents are different. At least, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, well, it, it uh, you know, plays with some different lore. You know, over here you have abandoned a sane asylum or... Bigfoot. Over there, it's at least something different. It's some haunted church or some shit. So they at least take they put that architecture to use. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. That 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 history. It's all about that history. We also have motivational growth. I don't know what that is. The ABCs of Death Two. Open Windows, which is Nacho Vigalondo's latest. That one's interesting. It all takes place on a computer screen. The whole movie. Okay. Interesting concept. I'm not really sure if the execution is is quite there. It didn't work for me. Ryan liked it a lot though. Hmm. He thought it was really cool how they did it. That's the hero You don't hear that often. No, you don't. That was one of the few <laughs> movies that he really liked at South by this year. Wow. The Hero of Color City. That's a kid's movie, an animated movie. Stephen King's A Good Marriage. Copenhagen, again, recommend that one. Horns, which is Alexander Aja's latest. It's been a while since he actually directed a movie, so I'm interested in that. So won't Daniel Radcliffe. And Nas, Time is Illmatic. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. You can check out the old Nas doc. Probably will Nas, at some point. Little Nas doc. 
He, uh, I had to look up this hero of Color City. Oh, yeah, it looks rough. <laughs> Coming from a crayon box near you. Crayons. Yeah. That, that one looks rough. Wow. Next week on DVD and Blu-ray, we have <laughs> Are You Here? I kind of want to see that just to see how horrible it is. I just want to know what happened to that movie. Mm. It's just supposed to be so bad. It's got 7%. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, Chef, which I think we can both highly uh, recommend. Yeah. Oh man, that's just a good time right there. Go see Chef. That's I've a good. Been an idiot. That's a good time movie. Cold in July, the Jim Mickle one. I oh, I can't definitely. I, I can't wait to see this one. Definitely recommend that one. Cat Chandler's Hellion. I recommend. Kevin probably doesn't. I do not know. Third person. That's uh, that's that like ensemble. That's that's ha- with, that's Haggis Haggis Crash director. This is this did not get good. No, that's one with Mila Kunis and yeah, uh, Liam Neeson, right? Yeah, this doesn't. Yeah, that does that not look good. No. Transformers: Age of Extinction and Wolf, which I'm in, interested in seeing. Wolf, Wolf. Yeah, it's like a black and white crime drama. Oh boy, I can't remember what country that that comes out of, but uh, it looks like the Netherlands. Yeah, I want to see that. You got some interest in that one now. Yeah, that looks pretty good. Uh, any Criterion's or any other ones I missed? Oh, we have two. We have two Criterion's. We have uh, Sunday Sensibel from 1962, uh, Academy Award winner, right here. It's a war film. Get, get your war on. I've never heard of this movie, ever. And it just all of a sudden pops up on Criterion. They're putting it out. Hmm. So I'll be checking that one out at some point in time. And then one that I definitely can recommend. I've seen it before. 1974. Ali, Fear Eats the Soul by Fassbender. This movie's fantastic. Check it out. Need to see this. I believe that there are a number of horror movies that are coming out due to the, the Halloween season also. So normally we only read off the the new stuff that's that's hitting Blu-ray, but I think Leprechaun's getting a Blu-ray release, the, the original Leprechaun. Last week we mentioned Halloween. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre's getting a Blu-ray release. So if you're into horror movies, check your listings because there's quite a number of uh, re-releases <clears throat> of horror movies. What did you... Uh... It looks like The Brood is going to be coming to Criterion at some point. Oh, that's cool. Because that, uh, pop, that popped up on Hulu Plus under the, the Criterion section. But they haven't announced anything yet. But, you know, it shows up there. They usually... Well, also, Criterion seems to be putting out all of Cronenberg's stuff, so... Yeah, which reminds me. Maps to the Stars. Did you see that? Yes, I did. Well, we'll talk about it next week. Yeah, I forgot to... Oof. Well, no, nope. Don't say a word. <laughs> we will talk about it next week. <laughs> do not do that to me. <laughs> You've already planted the seed. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> you can't see, but I'm rubbing my hands. We'll oh them together. man! All right. Uh, that's sh- that'll do it for this week. Next week, hopefully, we'll be back with a review of. Oh, we're gonna go so hard on some Gone Girl. It's gonna well, be ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do Gone Girl and Maps of the Stars, apparently. 
<laughs> Gonna start watching a lot of horror movies, so I plan on talking about lots and lots of horror stuff for October. Yeah, so I can't. I can't wait to get into to some horror. Yep, stay tuned for that. All right, that should do it. Send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. We'll be sure to answer them on the show. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam. And I'm Kevin. And we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie. So yesterday, your day was spent murdering Wasp. Yeah, pretty much. Nice. That's a good day. That's a good day. It was good. It was a good day. Good Good day. day. (laughs) Good day, Wasp killed.